Welcome to the Lion's Breath Movement Podcast. I'm your host, Owen. It's been some time. It's actually been a, like a week and a half, I think, is the last time I did a podcast. But um, I'm actually a little nervous doing this. I don't know why. Uh, I feel like it's the first time I've been talking to a mic. But uh, listen, we're on episode 20 fucking five. Can you believe that? Um, pretty crazy, pretty wild. Um, really happy about that. And we actually have uh, a guest here today. As you guys know, on the weekends, I try to bring on some guests because I really want to bring you guys value. Value, value, value is very important to me. Um, so education, a little inspiration, and then value. So uh, with that being said, uh, as it's happened you know, probably the last three weeks, I have a co-host. Hey, ladies. <laughs> and it's Kevin Never Settle Seaman. Kevin, what I'm the back fuck for more. is going on i don't know but i'd like to mention that i'm in like a private room with the doors closed and i'm the only dude with my shirt off and i'm feeling very vulnerable right now why don't you put your shirt I on know. it's freaking hot in here man mm. uh, i just did a workout too but uh i mean we hello, all everybody we're, we're in the lion's breath movement podcast studio um aka aka <laughs> lou's office lou volani's office who was on uh last weekend but um a couple housekeeping things is um if you're a new listener uh, thank you for joining us. I really, really appreciate that. You, you've probably been referred to by a friend, family member, um, co-worker. But listen, I really appreciate that. We're we're going to spread this movement by telling people, referrals, okay? Um, again, you guys can find us on Google, Spotify, uh, Apple podcast pretty much i think we're on like 10 different platforms don't forget stitcher which is the stitcher weirdest stitcher name we're on stitcher. stitcher we're on stitcher Th- I didn't know actually that was a thing. listen there's a lot of people that listen on stitcher i believe i just didn't know it existed it sounded like a porn website at first yeah all right just well, throwing it out there um so listen um i am now okay so we're, we're on episode 25 i just had a brain fart for one second um, I've got this like new gear. I've got this like arm handle for the microphone, so we're gonna probably sound better. And Kevin will probably sound better, which is very. I never sound good. I'm just gonna sound louder, not better. Yeah, he's gonna sound louder, louder, not better. You're gonna have less listeners now. Yeah. So one thing, I've had so much fucking trouble trying to do this. If anyone knows how to use two or three microphones in GarageBand, please let me know. You don't have a clue. I have no idea. No. You what? have no fucking yeah, clue, d- right? Yeah, d- uh, you're speaking English? Yeah. I've okay, probably spent three hours trying to figure this fucking thing out. Because I, I have like five or six microphones at home that I bought, but we still just use this Blue Yeti, which is cool. I mean, I'm okay with it. I like getting all close and personal with you guys. Ish. 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 Okay, listen. Uh, Kevin, wa- I want Kevin to talk about something we're doing here at CrossFit Danbury. Uh, Kevin, if you want to just chime in. Uh, yeah, well, one thing, uh, about the gym here, uh, 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 one thing about the gym here is historically we used to do a lot of competitions, we used to do a lot of group things, and over the past year or two it kind of faded out and there's been kind of less activity along that lines. like the open's been a little quieter, this year was a lot better thanks to John Hope getting involved. Well, this involved. year was fucking nuts. Yeah, this year has been the best so far, it started... John kind of started this movement that I'm going to follow up on here, but uh, he started a movement by getting people involved in the open again. He kind of made team competitions out of it. He got the whole entire gym involved and in a competitive fashion, but without stress. 
surrounding it. It was all for fun. Uh, fun and friends competing against each other. Got the whole gym involved. Everybody had a blast over the course of the five weeks of the Open. Led me to think we haven't done a competition here in quite some time. We did an in-house comp uh, singular um, person last year in December. That was, fun. That was a lot of that fun. That was a lot of fun. And yeah. that was kind of like the last thing like that we did. And there's been no talk about anything this year. So I figured, why not do something even better? Do an in-house competition. Mm -hmm. Invite people that are affiliated with the gym, if you will. Like all the people that are not from CrossFit Danbury have an affiliation of CrossFit Danbury. People that have done lake wads with us. People that have you know come to our competitions or done events with us historically. So um, even some of our sponsors that I'll get into have people that are involved in CrossFit that wanted to join the competition too, So which was nice. So I decided to put together a charity event, teams of two, in-house. So we're going to have eight teams in each division. Uh, the buy-in is free, except for the fact that each person needs to come in with a toy for a Toys for Tots donation. As of yesterday, that's changed. It's not just Toys for Tots. We're going to split what we receive 50-50 between Yale New Haven Children's Hospital and Toys for Tots. We have a direct contact with Toys for Tots that I facilitated and Ryan Silverquit, uh, another member of the gym, has a direct association with Yale New Haven. He does something. What's he do for Yale? Uh, it, it's kind of a, just a charity event that him and his girlfriend got involved with oh, a couple, a couple oh, years ago, okay, gotcha. and he's been doing it for a couple of years now. But it falls at the same time that we're doing this. So instead of trying to do a secondary um, thing in a couple of weeks, we decided to combine them together so that way, right. you know, there's not a million of the same thing all at the same time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so when is that? That's December 8th. That's next Sunday. That's next I only Sunday. had two weeks to um, put together everything. Ke Kevin's running this event. So uh, we'll have how many teams total? There's going to be eight teams per division. So there's going to be divisions? 32 teams. That, RX lights, that light's freaking me the fuck out. Yeah. Oh, there's a blinking light. The good thing I don't have epilepsy. Oh yeah, my fucking I kind of like it. It's like, you know, strobe lights. But uh, Have you ever seen Mall Cop? Yeah, hell yeah. Who is it? Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, he has. I love his Segway, by the way. Yeah, he That's has a sweet uh, Segway. Forget what he's got. He's got some disorder where he falls asleep. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Is that narcolepsy? Uh, narcolepsy, yeah, right? Yeah, where like he's in the middle of doing shit. Who's yeah, and he can fall that? asleep at any point. At in time, any point right? in time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. You, you can just be sitting here talking to somebody, passing out. Yeah, out, out cold. Uh, okay, so um, we have how many total teams? With uh, all Thirty-two the total teams. Thirty-two total teams. Okay, right. so we're at CrossFit Danbury, Danbury, Connecticut. Um, we're doing this for Toys for Tots. Yep, and Yale New Haven Children's Hospital. Yale New Haven Children's Hospital. So uh, if everyone brings a gift, gift, we'll have how many gifts? Uh, tons, because it's not just um, the competitors that are going to be bringing donations. Anybody out there listening that is local to Danbury, feel free to come in. Yeah, um, seriously, drop come in. Come spectate. Check out the gym. Check out what we're about. Check out the competition itself. You'll meet a bunch of people. It's a great atmosphere. Feel free to bring a donation. One of our sponsors is Athletic Brewing. They're a non-alcoholic uh, beer company, and their beer is actually really good. I thought it was like... Non-alcoholic? I thought it was the dumbest idea in the world, right? But if you ever want to have a beer but not have the effects of beer, let's say like it's a Wednesday night. I don't know if I ever want to do well, no, no. Let's say it's a Wednesday night. You want to have a good IPA, but you don't want to have bad sleep or a bad hangover. Listen, I want to. You have this. I want to stop you for a second because I want to introduce our guest because I want him to get kind of involved here. Excuse me, I'm chewing on he a fucking cert right now. Yeah. Yeah. Listen, we got a special guest here. Very special. Very special. Oh, we have two special guests. Actually, OG Crap. just walked in. Who's actually 
He's looking He's relatively so small today. See, put yeah. your shirt on and make me look good. I mean... He looks kind of small, doesn't he? I know. I thought he's buying bigger shirts. I don't know. Yeah. You need to do more bench press. I'm not going to be on my back. I got heat. All I ever do bench press. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not a bitch. He's so vascular. He is very <laughs> vascular. That dude must work out. Yeah. Uh, he fucks. Uh, okay. So listen. We have a special guest. And it's actually taken us, I don't know, man, maybe two months to get together. We just like, shit's been going on crazy life whatever but i want to introduce uh, dan mancini dan welcome to the podcast oh man it's a long time in the making i'm happy to be here yeah so dan you've listened to a few episodes i would say yeah what we're on 25 usually 20 of them sure shit fuck yeah so um listen dan is a licensed mental health counselor Mm -hmm. okay and i dan's been going how long you been going across with danbury i've been here about uh going on maybe two and a half years okay two and a half years so I did not know Dan, um, this was his profession until we he listened to one of my episodes, came up and we talked. Um, so like I said, um, in the past, I want to bring you guys value, okay? And I think what's happened, probably maybe because I haven't been on in like a week and a half, because I just don't want to throw a bunch of bullshit at you. I want to be able to bring you guys value. And if you follow my page, The Lion's Breath Movement on Instagram, or you've listened to the podcast, I'm like, what's really important to me is mental health. Okay, uh, mental health. I, I struggle with mental health. Like, there's. I think there's a lot of people out there uh, on the globe that, um, um, you know, that mental health affects them. If they confirm that with with a, a specialist, or if they just have it and they're just hiding it. Um, so, Dan, just hop on here. Just tell the audience quickly. You know what you do, um, how you got there, right. etc. Right. Awesome. Yeah. So. Um, Generally speaking, I'm a psychotherapist, right? It's an all-encompassing term because it gets stupidly complicated based on what state you're in and what license exam you took or passed, what letters you have before and or after your name. Um, but you're in New York. Uh, yeah, I'm licensed in New York. Okay. So, yes, technically I'm a licensed mental health clinician. Um, psychotherapist is just an easy way to refer to that. Uh, I have a private practice. Um, I've been in private practice since 2013. Okay. Uh, practice out of White Plains, New York, so lower Westchester. Um and I'm also affiliated with Columbia University Medical Center, so I run groups for them a couple times a week uh, in Midtown Manhattan. Yeah. Um, cool. So, yeah. Uh, I want to give a shout-out to Columbia um, uh, Medical Doctors. I actually work with um, the orthopedic guys at Columbia, and um, they're one of the best um, surgeons uh, in the world, really. Mm-hmm. Um, they're fantastic. So, uh, like I said, I, I wanted to bring Dan on here so we could talk a little bit about you know, mental health, CrossFit, etc. And, and Dan, how long have you been doing CrossFit for? So if I've been here for two and a half, um, maybe another three months on top of that. I was uh, so when we, we were living in New York at the time, my wife and I, and I was, um, man, I, I was just doing some bullshit workout in my apartment. Like I set up a squat rack, and uh, you know, God bless my wife. I don't know many wives that would let you know. It was in my bedroom. It was in our bedroom. Really? Right? Squat rack in the bedroom. Holy shit. Were you on the first floor? Were you on the first floor? No. <laughs> we were on the third floor. <laughs> that I, is I, awesome I, on every yeah. level. Every level. Like, so that could, would, that's so, the coolest bachelor pad I've ever heard, except you're married. Except I was married. That is yeah. So you, yeah, can't, yeah. you couldn't drop any of the weight. No. And I didn't. So this is pre CrossFit, so I didn't even know that that was a thing, right? So I was following like apps online, or I'm that, I'm that idiot that would. 
find a program, whether it was Beachbody or something from a magazine, follow it for two weeks, not see results, get frustrated, beat myself up, and then move on to something else. Over and over and over and over. Over and over. Over and over, right? And then that little voice in your head, I'm sure we'll talk about it more, that inner critic would get in my in my ear and just say, you suck, you know, you're a fat ass, you're never going to amount to anything, you're never going to have a good body. Just stop. Just stop. Stop trying. Um, all the way up until CrossFit. Yeah. And So how, how did you get introduced to CrossFit? It was my wife. So my wife was doing CrossFit in uh, Connecticut, um, where she works. Or- so you were at home mm-hmm. squatting in your bedroom. Yep. She's she at was, CrossFit. Yep. Why did first you of not? All, first of all, <laughs> his wife is fucking awesome. Yeah, like, she's great. She's yeah, yeah, yeah. super fucking cool. Yeah. Like, and I'm, I'm not, you know, not too embarrassed to say she out squats me. She yeah. out snatches me. Uh, oh shit, she's, man. She's, she's a powerhouse. The ch- women, um, super strong. Just are way better than men. Just in general. In general. And they're general. better to look at. <laughs> yeah, they really are. They really um, are. So hold on. I want to get back to that question. So Owen rolled his eyes for the people that can't see this. Why? Um, <laughs> so why were you were you adamant against joining CrossFit? Not at all. Not at all. Um, truth be told, I just didn't want to spend the money. Expensive. Very expensive. And then I just got, I remember uh, it was the 2017 Open. And, you know, she was showing me some of the things that everyone was doing. And I was trying them out in the in the bedroom, uh, the bedroom, you know, gym. <laughs> center. Uh, I had I had the main main site on the TV. And I was, like, watching the videos of all the movements. And I, at just some point, um, I was like, fuck it, let me try it. Yeah. And uh, first first box I ever went to was, was CrossFit Austining. Um, in New York. Austin, in New York. Austin, New York. Yeah, they're not called that anymore. They just switched names. Um, I think they're, like, Vitality Fitness now or whatever. Mm-hmm. But anyway, I remember my first day there. Uh, first wad ever was 100 burpees for time. And holy shit. Like, I would have shit my pants. I, I'm pretty sure I did. It was <laughs> awful. It took me, I'm embarrassed to say, it probably took me well over 11, 12 minutes oh, yeah. to do. I was dying at the end. And again, that inner critic, that inner voice came in. Like, you do not belong here. You are not an athlete. You are so at just this, a fat kid that grew up. At this time, so when you say fat kid. Yeah, yeah I was happy when I was younger. So were you fatter? Not that you're fat right now. Thank oh, Owen! No, because I'm what the I'm fuck? Fat. I'm fat. I'm fat. I'm fat. I'm fat too. So how much more? <laughs> how much more did you weigh? Get the fuck out! I probably weighed. Probably weighed less. It was just body composition. Oh, okay. Was so okay. When I was when I was younger, when I was a kid in elementary school, yeah, I was probably like a solid thirty pounds over where I should have been. And was that a big problem for you? Like, did you? Oh yeah, like that. Mentally, talk about like mental health. That was definitely like an embarrassment because I still like to play sports, but you know, running up and down a basketball court, feeling uncomfortable is awful. And my so my dad was an athlete in college. He played you know college ball and, and got close to the pros. Got really really close. Football. So he was, uh, sorry, basketball. Basketball. And okay. um, oh, shit. so that aspect too wasn't great. Like here's my dad. You know he was an athlete. Why can't I do that? Why right. am I carrying this weight? Blah blah blah. So yeah. Um, and then lost it. I lost all the weight in the worst way possible. I just starved myself for like months on end. I wouldn't. I would eat very, very little. Really? Tons of. Co- yeah. This is like middle school. And I lost it, um, but like, in, in the worst way possible. I probably gave myself an eating disorder in middle school. Okay, so I just didn't know it. Were you doing that because were you getting like made fun of? No, ironically, not really. But this was just like in your head, being like, I'm a fat fuck. Kinda. Yeah. To whatever degree, uh, you know, so fifth grader can think. What that. would like a day be like? You would just like get up and like not eat during the the when I was trying to lose it. Yeah, pretty much. It was just not eating extra. It was like just meals, 
you know there was no you know i'm in middle school it's not like i had a meal plan i wasn't following like rp or something you know? <laughs> uh it was just hey i used to eat counting yeah, counting, counting macros, macros right? calories. what's a you macro know, the, if you're five uh, years old and you know macros you are in the wrong you know the, the iphone that didn't exist for another 15 years right um starting, how old are you i'm 36 okay yeah. so we're the same age yeah, yeah. Uh, your beard is way better than mine thank you um, that makes up for the fat joke earlier. <laughs> Sorry. It's I'm a good. fat fucker. It's all good. And my wife knows I'm fat. Um, <laughs> and she lets me know. Yeah. Her semen's really fat, too. Yeah. Yeah, huge, huge. By the way, I can relate to your problems on my basketball court because I'm four foot two, and God mm. bless my mother's soul. In sixth grade, I wanted to try out for basketball because I used to shoot hoops with my dad. If I shoot hoops, my dad used to watch me try to right. shoot hoops. Right. So she took me down to tryouts, sat there the whole time. I got annihilated. Like, it was ridiculous. I, had, I was probably like four foot four wow. in sixth grade. Like, right. tiny. So the dude. same height so you are now. Yeah, yeah. I, but but you, you I, I just, I just weighed a little less. I was right yeah, there. Yeah. I was right Thank there. you. But fuck you guys. <laughs> God yeah. bless my mother. So she watched me try out the whole time. Yeah. And she, she let me hype myself up. I was, I was dumb enough to think that I could go in to check the roster the next day, right. to see who made it. And I'm staring at the list. I'm not on the list. And I was actually surprised. That you were I, on the list? That I was Wasn't. not. <laughs> <laughs> you actually it thought was, you had a shot? And she supported me the whole fucking time. That's awesome. Like, like, I love my mother. Now, how do you guys time. know each other? Here. here. From here. Yeah, here. Okay. We started right around the same time. Mm. Like, maybe a month apart. My first workout here was that same year, same time frame, Murph. Okay. I think because I, I decided to show up on the one workout I could do really, really good at mm. and pretend to be good at CrossFit. But you really sucked. Horrible. Still do. Still below. Still, still, still do. Fat chunks. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I started August, so Murph is May, is May so I was yeah, yeah. August, couple months. Just a couple you. months. And behind like, me. man, walking. I remember walking here the first time too. Super intimidating. Super right? intimidating. You know, some of the some of the members were just like. Did you join this gym or the other gym? This one. Okay. This one. So I remember walking in. It was like Pick, and it was like Wally, and and. A couple other. Folks Wally's too. A, Wally's not that big anymore. Yeah. Or strong. <laughs> <laughs> I hope he um, listens. <laughs> and a bunch of other members aren't here anymore. But man, it was just like, wow, these guys are yeah. incredible. And again, that voice in your head, like, I don't belong here. You are not on par with these athletes. You're not an athlete. You should just leave, right? Yeah. And it's and it's so you the ability to fight that. Your off. first workout was the hundred burpees. That was at CrossFit Danbury. No, that was at Austin. Uh, okay, it was at Austin. Um, okay, so l let's talk about that. So you, you you do your first work, your CrossFit yeah. workout. Yep. And when you're done with the workout, are you yeah. still in your head like, man, I'm not going to be able to do this? So the weird thing that happened right after is uh, I I was so ashamed and embarrassed because I thought, you know, I'm, I was in relatively good shape. Like, I can do this. This shouldn't be that hard. And here I am, you know, smoked on the floor. And I was kind of like, man, I, what is everyone else in this room thinking of me right now? What are all these other people thinking? And that's the part that I fell in love with with CrossFit because not one person was like, hey, new guy sucks. Gave a shit. No. Everybody was like, applause, fist bumps, nice job, you finished, that's awesome, you crushed it, whatever. And I'm looking around like, you gotta be kidding. Yeah. Like, this is not what I'm used to. This is not the right. sense of like belonging and welcoming. Yeah. I'm, yeah. And I'm like, this is ridiculous. So I came back. I remember coming back like a couple days later, doing it again. Still the last one to finish, still the bottom of the leaderboard. And again, applause and fist bumps and support. And I'm like, this is amazing. Like, you guys are for real? Yeah. Um, yeah. You don't get that in your bedroom. You don't? Well, you well, know. That's what's <laughs> oh, no. that's, oh, that's a deal. Oh, 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 fire today. The squat rack, dude. No, he squats at home and then gets his cardio in. Then they fist bump. No, but listen, fives, I think actually. we, I mean, we, we've <laughs> talked about this a lot with yeah. CrossFit. Yeah. Obviously, if you've listened to my podcast, you know that, um, 
you know, we're, we're very um, into CrossFit. CrossFit's not a cult for all you motherfuckers out there that say it is. But listen, uh, Dan's shaking his head. It's kind of is. Maybe. It's okay. Okay, it's so it listen. It's just it's my cult. It's, it's a family, right? It's yeah, a family. It's a family. It's a family setting. So I think that's really important. But the hardest thing about getting part of that family is, like, walking in and doing it. Oh, when I first walked in, I walked in and I'm watching like chick. Like I thought I was fit. Like I'm. T- I walked in after being a professional ab- athlete in obstacle course racing, and you got chicks that are squatting double what I squat here. Which yeah. they still do. They still, and they still, they do. still do. Yeah. And then, but I'm watching like I'm watching Cece doing ring muscle ups, and you got chicks on bars. I'm like, where the hell do these people come from? Right. And you got like OG squatting thirty two thousand pounds next to Brad, and then people doing like yeah. people are snatching more than I can deadlift. And I'm like, fuck me. Like, yeah. you know, yeah. I had no idea. Yeah, it's, it's, it's tough. But, I mean, but the camaraderie I, is insane. Immediately, amazing. right out the bat. Immediately. The second you walk through the door. Well, that's the thing. It's like, you know, you walk in initially and you're like, holy shit, these people are in really good shape. But the people that are in the gym that are in really good shape want you to be in really good shape with them. Yes, absolutely. 100%. And it's, I think that the, hum, uh, the humbling part of CrossFit is one of the things that drives me to it as well because it will humble you every single day. And I think every single person needs that in their life. Like, if you are successful at everything you do, how often are you really succeeding because you're not really overcoming any kind of difficulty, right? The the, the most successful people in the world... Fail the most. Fail the most, but... If they're smart, they surround themselves with people that are even smarter. Yeah, we had that. Yeah, that was a long conversation. I totally agree. Like, I don't know shit. I don't know everything, you know? And I talk about this on this podcast. It's like, I'm doing this podcast partially for myself and partially to, like, learn with everybody else. Well, you can learn something from everybody. I've learned stuff from Dan since I met Dan. Have you you learned anything from me? (laughs) 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 All right, Dan, listen. uh, (laughs) I want to get back to... So when did you know that CrossFit was, like... This is it, man. We're gonna fucking. I'm gonna. I'm gonna yeah. join the gym. So it was. Um, it was here, right? So when I got here in, in August of, I guess that was 2017. I don't know. Whenever the hell we moved to Danbury. Um, you and your wife. Me and my wife. Right? Okay. Uh, Josh was still coaching here, and he kind of took me under his wing, and we showed me stuff. Phenomenal coach. And uh, yeah, shout but, out to Josh. Yeah, He's a phenomenal yeah, coach. Yeah. Miss that guy here. Um, yeah. The uh, whatever January, whatever that year was, yeah. it must have been 2018. I was like, you know what? I need this. I love this. I'm gonna restructure my entire schedule around this to make sure that I can get my ass in here four or five, six days a week if I want to. Right. And, and did just that. I pulled everything off the table, essentially in my life. I was like, all right, if I'm gonna plug CrossFit in that many times a week, because um, I need it for my physical health, I need it for my mental health. This is my therapy. I enjoy this. Um, and it was really that first opportunity to go, you know what? I can control my schedule. I, I don't, yes, I'm stressed out a lot. Yes, I have a stressful job. Because of your private practice. Private practice, working for Columbia. I was actually even working at a third uh, nonprofit place in Westchester at the time that I just do some consultation work for now. So you don't, you got to hustle as a, as, a, as a psychotherapist. You're not earning a tremendous salary most places. You're really not. So you got to like a I little bit from here, a little bit from there. A little I think bit. a lot of people think opposite of that. Like, if you ask your normal people, I would guess I never, that initially they would assume that that is a yeah. very profitable job to have, just because of the title itself. Right. Do you know what I mean? Which sure. is a misconception. You have letters after your name, and everyone assumes that you make a great living. And you can. You certainly can. You just have to hustle for it. Because so, I mean, I've had this conversation. I'm in sales. Right. Okay. Yeah. Are, are you, I mean, you're selling yourself... As a therapist, mm-hmm. I mean, do you are you getting like how are you getting, I guess, 
clients. clients. Right. So like the marketing part. Yeah. Very. I, I do. Is very it referral? Little. It's referral. It's so I do panel with a couple insurance uh, companies. Um, so they sort of send uh, send folks your way. Um, there's a great website. Uh, I'm not affiliated with in any way, but uh, Psychology Today. Mm-hmm. It's sort of like a kind of like a Facebook for people in the mental health world. Uh, you get a profile on there, and, and people can search for you by zip code or by specialty or whatever. Really. Right. Uh, and I get a lot of referrals. Do you have there. a website? I don't. Okay. I don't. I mean, if anyone's listening, is there a way to reach out to yeah. me? So, I mean, yeah, you can find me on Psychology Today. Um, you just Google your name. You could just Google my name. Um, okay. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, listen, if you're in the area... If you're in like yeah that lower so West you take area. on any like if I if I called you up and said hey I need to sit down mm-hmm. like who who are you list who, who are some of your clients yeah do you, do so you have a anyone I do or? I do but it's um, so the specialty is, is <coughs> something called cognitive remediation which is um, the uh, sort of working on on folks who have issues with like attention memory executive functioning for any reason it doesn't have to be just a mental health concern like that could be a traumatic brain injury a concussion a, a you know sports injury a, a car crash right mm-hmm. we're, we're so all of a sudden their their attention their memory uh etc are, are, are affected and impacted and, and because of the the malleability of the brain and neuroplasticity we can we can help shape that we can help rebuild uh and help someone improve those those elements mm-hmm. um but it's sort of jack of all trades psychology right uh anxiety um depression ocd Bipolar, schizophrenia, anything. Yeah. Now, how? What? What made you want to get into this profession? Did you? Did you yourself have issues mental with a m- mental health? Mm. So, not to be like the nitpicky therapist. There's one vernacular piece I think we can. No, be the talked, nitpicky. Because yeah. you talked about you've talked about stigma a lot on this. Yeah. And I think one of the things is to start normalizing that we all experience things like this, right? Not even saying, "Oh, I have a, a <clears throat> poor mental health or a mental health condition or a mental health illness." Taking that step back and go. Whether it's joy, excitement, depression, sadness, it's all a part of the human condition. It's all a part of the human experience. So it's just as okay to feel uh, anxious when appropriate as it is to feel happy when appropriate. Like it's all in the same umbrella. So taking that step back to to really just normalize all of it and say, yeah, like I'm alive. I'm a human being. I'm going to be sad when I'm I'm sad. I'm going to be depressed. I'm going to be anxious. I'm going to be happy. And sort of like that's all acceptable and that's all okay. Right. Um, but yeah, as a kid, like I had uh, definitely experiences with anxiety and, and panic attacks and depression and mm-hmm. um, even a little suicidal ideation like in, in that sort of high school uh, time period. Um, but ironically, none of those were in my head um, going into college. In fact, I went into college pre-med thinking I was going to be an emergency uh, doc, really? really, an ER. Doc. That's what you that want was, to do. That was the thought, and I realized as I'm sitting in uh, like a 400 level bio class at like nine in the morning, I made a big mistake. This and is I was not just, what I want to do. This is not. This is the late night. This is like early 2000s, and I'm like, shit. I think I just watched way too many episodes of ER and romanticized the whole thing. Right. And I, oh, I screwed yeah. up, and I screwed up big time. Uh, and my grades plummeted, and I, I didn't know what the hell I was doing. Right. So. Very fortunate. Like my sophomore year, they let me just take a whole bunch of random classes. Psychology was one of them. Fell in love with it. Is this at Columbia? And that's it. No, this was undergrads. This was uh, Manhattan College. In, oh, Manhattan uh, College. Okay. Riverdale. Cool. Bronx. Yeah. Good. Um, so you got into. Um, so when did you you graduated uh, Manhattan with right. what was your undergraduate degree? Um, this was a BA. 
bachelor's just, of arts. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, and then you graduated. What did you? This is what you wanted to do when you uh, graduated. You know what? Not really. Didn't didn't know what I wanted to do because um, one thing I didn't know upon graduating is a uh, undergrad in psych. You can do nothing with really zero as far as like patient care, patient work. Not a whole lot. You have to go to graduate school, and mm-hmm. I wasn't prepared to do that. So I took. Uh, let's say I graduated in 05. Uh, four years basically and just sort of I worked for um, a neuropsychologist and, and did some of his grunt work and I learned a lot it, it wasn't the greatest working environment to be honest but I learned a lot from this guy mm-hmm. um, I learned about like neuropsychological testing I learned about cognitive remediation which turned out to be my specialty so I learned a lot about um, all of those things and, and how private practice is set up and then went back to uh, graduate school in 2009 cool yeah. good um, can you talk about cognitive Remediation. Sure, what is that? Sure. Seaman, so, do you know what that is? No, but by based on, uh, I was waiting for you guys to finish, but based on what you said, mm-hmm. when I had my TBI right. from my accident, right. I really never sought out mental health, health because I just figured I suffered this major brain injury, everything's swollen, like, uh, you, you know, between all of the blood loss, all of the injuries combined. I figured it was normal that I was going to have some issues sort of like this, and Mm -hmm. maybe it just, like everything else, like any kind of wound, it would take time to heal. I never really put it into perspective that it could have been something that I also, because I went to PT for the physical aspect of it. I bet I could have called Dan, if I knew Dan at that time, to work on the mental aspect. Did you ever work on the mental aspect? Uh, no, but I was lucky to have a positive attitude about it, so I was never in a bad mental state to the point where I thought I needed to. I just thought I was injured and this was going to take some time, and I had a lot of positivity around me, which just Mm -hmm. helped the process go along. But it was a very long year before it came back to, you know, feeling, what I want to say normal, because we all know I'm not normal, but... No, you're really not. As normal as I could be, but if I knew at the time that it was something that I could have sped up the process um if i put extra work in just like i did with the physical aspect i probably would have reached out to somebody because it was very difficult it was very difficult because it gets it gets you get anxious because you feel like you're not going to be yourself again mentally so cognitive remediation wouldn't necessarily help purely with the anxiety or or the depressive pieces it might a little bit um, it's more focused on the the sort of neurocognitive part, like rebuilding someone's ability to pay attention or their working memory. Um, so it's a it's a type of therapy, and I think the best way I can ironically explain it is it's sending your brain to the gym, right? So yeah. when we work out here, you 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 basically tear mi- micro tear muscle, right? You damage your muscles, and they learn to grow back stronger. Yeah. Same deal with your brain. If you place it under stress, if you put uh, appropriate amounts of stress and appropriate amounts of challenge, it will learn to adapt and come so, back stronger. So, because uh, we talked about this, yeah. is that is it similar to like meditation? Um, or I mean, the only reason why I'm saying that because like meditation is like you're working on strengthening, I guess, your thoughts and your mind. Right. Right. Sort of that control piece. Yeah. Yeah. In a way, maybe tangentially related. Um, it's it's basically challenging specific parts of the brain yeah to do certain tasks um and then using those skills and those strategies that you're building up extrapolating them to more real world generalizable scenarios like getting to work on time or remembering i don't know anything shopping list to get to the grocery store um or uh just focusing on a, on a book you're reading or a show you're watching that's kind of what i was having issues with yeah. what was the really? ability my, my brain wouldn't I couldn't formulate and process and then hold on to that process of thought for long enough. It, it was like it was almost like 
I was having trouble formulating what I wanted to say when I wanted to say it or right. what I wanted to do and how I wanted to do it because I was a regimented, you know, hardworking kind of guy. Mm -hmm. And then it was just like difficult to formulate things. It, right. it almost felt like my brain was having trouble working. Right. Which like is exactly, it, would, it would get yeah, stressed exactly what and then kind of just like shut off. Right. Right. Is what it felt like. Interesting. So, yeah. So, would you have, would, could this have helped him? Probably still could. Yeah. So, we had this. Um, Do you still have that? No, not so much anymore. But it took, uh, this, the injury was eight years ago. It took, right, right. It took a, an extensive period of time and a lot of personal time not knowing what i was doing i just mm -hmm. wanted to get back to who i was and make myself better so in order to do that you just keep pushing through so i i didn't have any kind of formulated process for it so i just did what i needed to do to keep getting better and in, in a way you, you saved yourself in that so I, I listened to the episode where you talked about your injury and your and your recovery process and there's a lot of ways to, to recoup the brain post uh, tbi and and some of the things that you were doing if i remember correctly like getting back out there and and, and reteaching yourself how to walk or reteaching yourself yeah. how to drive reteaching yourself how to do all those things is excellent cognitive strengthening <clears throat> techniques it doesn't have to be you know sitting in front of a computer with neuropsychologically engineered tasks um learning a language is a great way to stay mentally sharp uh, learning an instrument these are also ways not to get too off track but these are also ways that we can delay the effects of things like dementia and alzheimer's it's just to keep active keep your brain active always be learning right sure. is that it always yeah. be learning is something no matter what it is yeah, totally right. always be learning always be active just don't stop yep just don't yeah. stop i mean why do you think it is that that people um take their mental health as like a like it's it's always like the, their physical health is like primary right okay like gotta be in really good shape right. okay got gotta get my muscles gotta get the six pack yeah, yeah. heart but like girls, girls. Chicks, <laughs> that's <yeah>. why <laughs> well, well yeah but it's always like the mental health aspect, and I am to blame as well. The mental health aspect, until I was like 24, was second was wasn't even on the fucking radar. Right. Okay, why do you think that is? Sure, it's twofold. One, you can see it. You can see the physical. You look in the mirror. You look shredded. You look awesome. You're like, okay, this is great. Right, and it is. That's amazing. But right. That's that's part one. Part two is considered weak. Right. We live in a in a hopefully improving world, but still the stigma of. Just get your shit together. Pull yourself up by your own bootstraps. Like, shake it off. Everything's fine. Um, you know, push those thoughts down. And that's sort of what we live by. Right. Um, you're looked at as being weak for talking about being sad or talking about being anxious or, or you know, these, these silly, you know, uh, feelings and emotions and touchy-feeling. Oh, you're going to talk about how you feel. Yeah. Right? There's that stigma still. Um, and I think that's why, you know, it's very much acceptable to go to the gym it's still stigmatized to go to the therapist 100 percent. you know i agree with that i i I've talked about this so many times on this podcast um when i was going through my mental health issues i didn't know what the fuck was going on and to be honest it took me probably over a year to say i need to go talk to someone because my first concern was who am i going to see in the office that i know Okay, and if I do see someone, what are they gonna say? You know, they're there for a reason too, though. But like, but here's, the, but that, but I'm just going back yeah. to the stigma. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I agree with you. I agree. With okay, you. Like, I'm thinking now as a stronger person, but in, if you look back at it retrospectively, yeah, they were there for a reason too. Hundred percent, I get Absolutely. that. Absolutely, but when you're there, you don't think like no, that. No, you don't think like that. Okay, and I also too, I've been, I've been reading up on suicide, depression. I mean, I, you know. A lot of suicides could have been 
stopped or mm -hmm. prevented mm -hmm. if our society accepted, like, you know what I mean? There wasn't that stigma. Because right. how many people are out there that are like, well, shit, like, I, if I go, my boys are going to be like, you're a fucking pussy. Can I, can I add on top of that question? Go ahead. Because, it's not, it's, I, no, yeah. that's, that's a good question. And to add on top of that question, and not political about it all, at what point has all of the clouding of the water that's happened over the past five years affected that? Because now things that aren't really problems, people being sad over nothing or rooms for your feelings or mm. the, the, the extremism mm. of it has become so intense that the people I think that really do truly suffer don't get the help they need because it's also the water is so clouded by these things that don't matter. And has well, what, that come like, into play? What, what do you mean by don't matter? Like just like, uh, like I, I, giving I, I, awards I'm, to like fourth place? Oh, like, yeah. All yeah, that no, shit. No, like, everybody gets a trophy and your feelings have feelings. Something little happens in your life that is inconsequential. Right. That causes you to have this major emotional stress. Like everybody, in not everybody, but the world has become generally softer. And in doing so, they've gotten so much more attention and we can take social media out of all that because that's a 90 minute conversation on its own but because the world's gotten so soft in general overall that the people that really do suffer because there's a lot of people yeah. that really do suffer are, are overlooked are, are overlooked mm. and and does that do you see that coming into play in your career as well not necessarily as you say it but i think one thing that we can look at is um how you deal with failure right and where you Agreed. see yourself um, see, failure is an interesting thing. A lot of people are scared of it. A lot of people don't want to experience it. And they do everything they can to run away from it. Mm -hmm. Because when you think of... Uh, let me ask you guys. When you think of failure, what's the definition? What do you think of? Uh, for me, w failure is like you had a goal and you didn't achieve it. Okay. And you fail. Right. I would say... I would say it's that as well. Set setting a goal and not achieving the goal that you prescribed for yourself, whatever it may be. Okay. Great. And that's the common negative connotation. We don't like to feel it. It sucks, right? Um, so, and, and humans mostly are, are formulated on something called the pleasure principle. We seek things that feel good. Yes. We avoid things that feel right. bad. If we change the definition of failure and just see it as more of a learning opportunity rather than a, a hard stop, like I failed at this. Okay. If I set out to do something and I fail, and therefore I take that on, I feel like a loser, I feel like a, a, a failure, right? A failure. And then never try it again lost an amazing opportunity to learn from what just happened right right yeah so what i've been what i've been urging people to do and what i've been trying to do myself is change the definition of failure so for me if i fail at something and i'm too stubborn or prideful or my ego is getting in the way for me to learn from whatever it is then i will consider it a failure but if i fail at something and that means well okay i, I now have information i can try it a different way right right um then how can I possibly consider that a failure if it just right. it helped me in the yeah. future? I mean, I did it actually. I'm a big believer, and if you follow me on Instagram, my page, um, like, I've failed so many fucking times in my life, okay? And there's people don't always think like I think, like you just said. Mm -hmm. A failure is you're actually gaining knowledge of, like, how to get to your goal. So, I mean, we talk about all the time and you hear all the time and you see on social media that like you have to fail and you have to fail and, and most of the successful people in the world have failed, okay? Very truthful. Because when you're failing at something, okay, and you have a goal and you fail, 
you're gaining knowledge on how to get there. Okay, so let's just take, for example, if, if it's a muscle-up. I was thinking that same thing. Actually. Like, I'm just thinking, yeah. we're, we're in the gym, I'm thinking yeah, yeah, muscle-up, okay? Yeah. So you do muscle-up, you fail, 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 fail. Right. You're just eliminating the things that are going to get you eventually to success. Right. Right, so if you jump on that bar and you're trying to get your first muscle-up and you basically try to do a chest-to-bar, right, and that's not going to necessarily do it. So you learn, okay, it's not that motion, it's not that swing, it's not that momentum, right? And all you're doing, if you imagine this invisible checklist, you're crossing off all of the things that aren't going to help you, and it's going to leave you with the things that will help you. Exactly. Yeah. Now, do you think, um, based on like a percentage, okay, sure. because I don't think a lot of people have that mentality. Like, most people in this world, if they fail, they're done. Mm-hmm. Okay, my wife used to be like that. Erica used to be like that. Okay, and it, until recently, she is now like, okay, no, I can do this. And also, too, and I'm going to let Dan, Dan talk about this a little bit, is what are people going to say right. if I fail? Right. Especially, you, you know, right. especially maybe in the CrossFit environment. Right. Um, you know, right. people are doing muscle-ups and doing all this shit. Well, I'm not going to do that workout because I can't do it. Mm-hmm. Like, it's avoiding it. Absolutely. It's avoiding the thing that makes you feel bad rather than saying, okay, I'm going to do the thing that makes me feel bad. I'm going to keep doing this thing, and eventually I'm going to be able to do it. Yeah. Right? It's that wonderful thing where, you know, your one rep max in any movement is potentially going to be your warm-up weight one day. Exactly. You know? That'd be nice. Um, that w- well, yeah. That'd be nice. Yeah. Um, <laughs> one of the things that you mentioned that I wanted to hit on real quick is, you know, where did we learn all of this? Right. Where did we learn that failure is such a bad thing? Where did we learn to be very aware of your surroundings and what does that person think of me and what does that person think of me? Um, and not to get too deep into it, but I think we learn a lot of maladaptive um, techniques or strategies for coping with stress when we're, when we're really young. And then no one sort of puts them in check. Right? So if we learn at a really young age, oh, I failed this, this test, and I brought that grade home, and my parents were disappointed in me, and my teachers were disappointed in me, I can never fail again, and that's either going to drive you towards perfectionism, which has its own, own yeah. you know, set of difficulties, um, or you give up, right? Because you learned at such a young age that failure is unacceptable, right. rather than <clears throat> hopefully what we can start to do is say, okay, you failed this test. All right, no big deal. Let's learn from it, right? Let's learn from it. Let's see, you know, what actually happen right you failed a test what does that really mean just means you failed the test doesn't mean that you didn't know the information maybe you just didn't know how to translate that in your head to put it on paper the way that the test was asking maybe it means you you had you know less than effective study methods right there's so many reasons that we fail at something and just to sort of let it die because it made us feel bad it's such a missed opportunity and then sets us on a path where failure just stays unacceptable failure is the best way you can learn oh yeah it allows you to reformulate, correct? It totally. allows you to reformulate towards success. Right. I think that's how you get your best teachers, too. With any particular, whatever you're teaching, you, you, everybody has knowledge they could share and teach. But the more times you had to reformulate to learn that knowledge, the more ways you learn to not learn, if that makes sense. The, the more failures that you have allows you to avoid, uh, help other people avoid the failures yeah. that you have experienced. That's right. That's right. what I was looking to say. Uh, right. Because I've I've had many times in my life, whether it was schooling or life, where you know we'll use the term failure, where I failed multiple times to do something. And by the time I actually got it, now when I go to share that knowledge, I can also share how, what to avoid. Definitely. That will steer you in the wrong direction. For sure. So. For sure. And that that's 
help that makes you worth more in the yeah. end. Like think about your career. That's 100%. why you're worth that's, so that's, much more that's in your why, older age of your career. That's why um, I actually have an episode. Where I think the title of the episode is um, "Failure Brought Me to Like My Greatest Success." Or I, I can't remember the title, but I had failed miserably <clears throat> at a career I was going after. And um, if I if I had sat back and, and sulked, I wouldn't be where I'm at today. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think too with failure, if you're constantly failing, okay, and you're failing at something, and then you're moving on to the next thing, failing at that, moving on to the next thing, and not going after that one thing, that just becomes like a habit, a bad fucking habit, right? Where you come to a point where you're just like, I can't do anything. Then maybe that's where you get depressed, anxiety. Would you agree? Totally. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. It's it's where you fall victim to your own, um, your own mind frame, right? So there's something that it's it's the inner monologue. What are you telling yourself about the about yourself, about the world around you, right? That little story that's that's constantly unfolding in your head, right? So if you if you fail on the on the CrossFit floor, for instance, and you automatically start telling yourself the coach is disappointing me, everyone's laughing at me. Everyone's looking at me like I suck, right? You are now formulating that narrative in your head, regardless of what is happening around you. But that's what you're reacting to. So the feelings of sadness, the feelings of depression, being uh, anxious over all of that, you've just completely manufactured it. None of it is actually there. Nothing's true. Right? So if you can if you can harness the power of your own inner monologue and sort of tell yourself a more accurate picture of what's happening around you. Give yourself the leeway to fail. Encourage yourself. Be, be your own inner, inner, I don't know, cheerleader, I guess, for, for lack of a better term, rather than inner critic. I mean, it's amazing the difference amazing. in self-esteem and self-confidence and just mood. How hard is that for someone to, like, because I went through that um, with my panic attacks, mm-hmm. and we've talked about this, and I've talked about this on on the air, whatever the fuck you want to call it, on the podcast. Um but I had such an issue with panic attacks that I'd be in a room like this and I'd be like, oh, fuck, how am I going to get out? How am I going to get out? How am I going to get out? And the negative thoughts were so hard to overcome. You know what I mean? Totally. Um, so it's like, you're, it's like you're drowning. It's like you're drowning. Yeah. You know, it's like you're drowning and you can't, like, overcome them. Right. But, you know, I guess how would you tell someone – if they're going through that right now, mm-hmm. how do you overcome that? Right. So it takes time. One thing is you got to give yourself a lot of slack. You got to give yourself leeway. Like with anything, you're going to start and stay consistent. Um, it's it's there's tons of like anti-anxiety and, and and sort of stress reducing techniques. But sometimes it does take medication. Sometimes it does take you know years of therapy or whatever to to sort of just get comfortable, even sort of fighting back against those those thoughts and those feelings and those voices. Um, one of the best ways, I mean, one of the things I think is amazing about CrossFit is it gives you that opportunity to battle back against that voice, right? So when you're on the, when you're doing a hard workout and that noise in your head is all negative and saying, you suck, you're not going to do this, you don't belong here. That ability to fight back and go, no, screw you. I'm going to do this. I'm going to finish this. And then when you learn how to do it there, you can sort of start to apply it everywhere else. Yeah, exactly. Right? And and that's everywhere else. one of the things I absolutely love. Not, not only about CrossFit, but fitness in general. I think just CrossFit pushes you to that extreme. Um, 
so that you have that opportunity. Yeah, what's Kevin doing? Uh, he's... I had an idea for tomorrow, so and for the comp. Don't worry about. It. I got a lot of stuff going on. We need you on. here, dude. I know. I got a lot of stuff going on. When I get the thoughts, I got to write know. it down. I know. He's gonna fucking got one thousand sponsors coming. To the, we have four people doing the comp. Well, before 1, we get there, we'll sponsors. get there. We'll get there right at the end. One thing oh, you just touched on it, and I wanted to ask because it, we talk a lot about fitness on here, and it's kind of fitness based. Is what brought us all together, right? Mm-hmm. In what way? Do you feel, from a mental health perspective, mm-hmm. fitness, especially positive fitness in this kind of group setting or community, yeah. I'm not talking going to Planet Fitness and being by yourself, right. which can work for a lot of people, sure. but it's it's really the positivity that's surrounding aspect, the, that surrounds fitness that benefits people. So that's why we use CrossFit. How does that play into mental health? Mm-hmm. And is there something you recommend to your clients uh, at, at any time and how we could benefit how would it benefit them sure so activity at any level is phenomenal for your mental health for your mood there's all sorts of like neurochemicals that are getting released but uh, aside from that um that community aspect and just going to a gym and, and being with other people and, and developing those friendships and relationships and pushing yourself and seeing what your limits are i mean it's amazing right you feel such a thrill such a rush like hitting a new pr or you know, getting a movement that you you've been working on or struggling with, it's it's phenomenal. So yeah, I recommend um, some type of activity. For some people, it's it's biking or or, or CrossFit or, or going to a gym or uh, yoga or whatever, right? Um, but yeah, I've I've directed tons of people, tons of my clients to specifically CrossFit because it's it's sort of a, the best bang for your buck. You're getting that physical aspect, but you're also getting that community. So there's people reinforcing you, helping you rebuild your self image, your self concept, your self esteem from the inside out, from the outside mm-hmm. in. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Um, like I said, guys, like mental health, I think is just, like, you know, I'm at fault here too for this. Like, you know, maybe when I was younger, I just felt un- unstoppable. But mental health is really, really important. And if you guys follow my page, like, you know, you know, and you're having negative thoughts, you, you have to work just as hard as you work in the gym, okay? You need to work on your mental health outside of the gym, okay? And I think that's really, really important. Um, and they're very closely intertwined, um, the mind and the body. Because maybe Dan can touch a little bit about this. The clearer you are outside of the gym, the better you'll be inside the gym. Would you agree? Sure. It makes perfect sense. Yep. But it's also being okay not being clear, right? We, right, we, okay. So the other part of it is is like just accepting things as they are, right? So you don't have to like it. We're going to have bad days. It's fine. There's this great technique from um, it's a therapy called uh, DBT, dialectic behavioral therapy. It's called radical acceptance, right? You don't have to like something, but it's sort of like stop throwing bad energy at it. So the, the classic example is um, the angry dude at the airplane counter. Right, mm-hmm. so the flight's been delayed, and this dude is just screaming at the person behind the counter, right? And all of that energy is being wasted because no matter how much that guy yells or screams or carries on, that plane's not going to land any quicker, right? It's exactly. not going to all of a sudden be right there. And if you think about how that sort of the trajectory of that, right? So the the plane eventually lands and deboards, and he gets on it. His energy doesn't all of a sudden turn positive. He's sitting there yep. and seething, and that's going to be felt by the people around him. And he's going to go home to his family. He's going to be still angry, right? So. Radical acceptance would say, okay, the plane's delayed, this sucks, but I've got a couple hours. How can I use that in the best way possible? Go take a nap. Go get a drink at the bar. Go grab a coffee. Go watch a movie. Go, you know, a lot of airports now have, like, places you can go get a massage. You can go get a meal. Like, use that that time and that energy as productively 
as possible. Yeah. Right? And then, I mean, look at the mood state difference between mm. that versus just screaming at somebody. I try to do that myself all the time because since my accident, and we talked about this on the last one, it's reformulating what actually matters. And once that happened, people are like, when things like that happen, mm -hmm. uh, that's a very good example. Pe most people would get very upset or angry, correct? Mm -hmm. And I usually don't give a shit. I'm like, whatever, because it's out of my control. Precisely. 100% out of my control. And people are like, you don't care about anything. It's like, that's not true either. Right. It's useless yeah. is what it care, comes Care about to. the things that are important. Yeah, you care about the things that are important and... You can uh, that can hurt you uh, emotionally, of course, if something bad happens and it is important. But things like that are not important and they are also out of your control. So stress, additional stress in your life is not going to benefit you in any way, shape, or form. Like I'm losing hair fast enough already, so I'm not going to help the process what by are you freaking out about things what I can't control. What are you stressing about? Right now, not much. <laughs> be be some, you're stressed about the comp. Well, listen, there is there is stress in my life. It's how I handle it, I guess. Is there stress in my life? Yes. I think there's, there's stress actually, in everybody's life. There's actually a lot of stress in my life. But the thing is, most of the stress in my life, are it's not generated by me. So I'm not the causal factor of it. So it's things that I need to, one, accept that they're happening and do what I can to control how they affect me directly. Because that's all I can do. Because most of my stress is caused um, either family or friend arrived, and it's people making bad decisions that directly impact my life. So what I need to do is structure what I can do to avoid the negative impact of it. It is what it goes. And I don't want to go too much into depth, but I have, I have family members who are in very bad situations that cause stress on my family and myself. And... Which causes you stress. Which causes me stress because I love my family. Like, my, my parents are the best people in the world, uh, and they don't deserve the stress either. That, and, but they have similar mental states as me. They, it's how I learned how to refocus. But, yes, there is stress. And all I can do is focus on what I can do to control it. And what do you do to control it? Get out of... Avoidance oh, we is talked one. about... Yeah, avoidance is one, and it's a bad thing that I do, and I'm trying because I don't mind confrontation, but it's different when it's people close to you because you got to be careful how you confront it. Mm -hmm. You want to make sure that you do it in a way that it isn't going to long-term negatively affect uh, your life because it's pe it matters. It's people that matter. So it's not confrontation avoidance, but sometimes at this point, it is avoidance. Which is negative. I avoid by going and re reframing myself. I, I, I go out and I refocus on something else that's positive in my life. I go to the gym. I go see some friends. I go get a drink. I have a beer. Like, But is that you avoiding it? Partially, yes. But it also is allowing me to get away directly from the situation and formulate how I want to confront it. Because you can't – if you confront it immediately sometimes – actually, that's a good question for you. Sometimes when you're in the moment right. and it does matter, initial confrontation without – knowing what you want to say or how to say it can cause more problems than it can fix. So I'm really trying to avoid that. So what you're speaking to is the difference between reaction and response, right? Reaction is highly emotional, highly intense, and you just sort of, whatever you're feeling comes out. And sometimes yes. yeah, it's, it's unavoidable honest. At times. It's honest, but it's not always the best. said in the way that the person hearing it can receive it and like tease out the positivity from it. Because yes. honestly, you know, with your family or whoever, you mean well. And it's the frustration coming out like, hey, you are doing something awful and I can see it, 
or you know you're screwing up somehow i can see it from the outside looking in you can't see it um and it's frustrating the hell out of me but sometimes in the moment that reaction that comes out less than positive right that frustration yes. comes out more a and response, it sounds angry and it sounds it angry. sounds angry where the response is i've taken some time i've sort of let this sink in and now we're going to communicate we're actually going to communicate exactly and, and and when you communicate it usually should be a specific way one, I'm very big about making sure it's personalized. It's not in group settings or mm -hmm. with people around or in a place that's confrontational. It's supposed to be like a real conversation. Like, if you really care about the person, you're just going to have an honest conversation with them. you got to make sure that you're in a position to have that with them. Right, but sometimes um, if, if, if you really care about the person and you've had an honest conversation about them and they're not thinking logically... That ha that is happening. Well, listen, that, you can't that, you can't control other people though. Well, so and at that point, you need to make sure that they know how. It, this is just my opinion. You need to make sure that they know how you feel, and do what you have to do individually yourself. To uh, what's the word I'm looking for? To be comfortable in the situation that you're given, because if they're going to make decisions that impact your life that you're not going to be able to change, you have to structure your life. So that's not going to negatively affect you, however it may be. Because you can't control other people, what they do, how they feel, or what they want to do. All you can do is let them know. All you can do is be you. honest and how it affects you. And how it affects you. And then Now, if they don't agree with that. Which they don't have to. It's not they, their job And they don't to. have to. That's their, that's their problem. Yeah, right? but then you have to restructure your life. Not restructure, but you have to take into consideration your health and what you have to do to be in a healthy mental state. If, is this if something you're going, going through right now? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but it's, I handle it well. Like it's not, it's not making me sad or anxious or angry. It's just one of those things that I know I need to handle, mm -hmm. and I have yet to really come up with the way I want to handle it. Um, a couple things, and more than one actually, more than one, and it, it's more. I'm less concerned about me because I, I handle these things pretty well, luckily. I don't know why, but right now I'm in a very good mental state. It's not affecting me negatively mentally, but it is stress because you got to put brain time to it that you could be using elsewhere. But my poor parents, like, God bless their We've souls. talked about this, and you don't want to get in detail about no, it. No, absolutely not okay. because some things don't need to be shared with public. That's, yeah. that, I think that people do that too often too. You know what I mean? Mm. Um, no, it's private, and it's going to stay private. But at the end of the day... My parents, like, bless their souls. Bless them. Bless them. Um, so where were we, we were just talking about stress. So you, you deal with stress by just uh, avoidance versus working out? I wouldn't out. say avoidance. It's not avoidance. Um, I formulate how I want to confront it before I confront it, and then I do confront it. I think people avoid confrontation, and I think that's a problem. Yeah. Now, I Dan, do not avoid confrontation. I just try to confront it properly instead of always over emotionally or reactive mm. um to our listeners mm. how would you if someone came to you and just was just so fucking stressed mm -hmm. how do you what do you tell what are the top three things to do to deal with stress because we all have it mm -hmm. so i guess it, it would depend where it's it subjective from, but it's very subjective one of the things um in a way and it's gonna sound weird but embrace it Embrace the suck. Just take it on. Just embrace it. Be like, this is a part of life. Life, right? And a little bit of stress, or stress to a certain threshold is okay. When it crosses a line that all of a sudden you become incapacitated, where you become um, unable to go to work or get up, or you're, you're just 
miserable all the time. Then, all right, take a huge step back. Look to see what you can restructure, right? Mm-hmm. Do you really have to be doing all the things that you're doing? Can you find some some space in your day, in your week or whatever for yourself, whatever that is and however long you can afford? Um, but Because you're and, saying that stress can be caused by having way too many things going on at one time. Both good and bad. Good and bad, sure. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So you could have a million good things going on. And still be stressed. And be stressed out. Well, let me ask you. You, 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 have, a, you have a son, right? Yeah. You stressed? Very. Yeah, it's a good exactly. thing. Exactly. It's a very good thing. Exactly. Um, right. And I, I think that's kind of where my conversation is coming from, is me personally, is I'm at a different point in my life um, where now I have an eight-month-old son, I got, I got a house, I got a wife. Mm-hmm. There's stress that comes with it. It's very absolutely. good stress. Right. Okay? So for me... Um, you know, I've taken on maybe some breathing techniques mm-hmm. and some meditation. And I think what's the most important piece of this is fitness mm-hmm. for me. Sure. Okay? Sure. It's like sweating. Yeah. You learn to embrace the suck that way. Well, you learn sure. to embrace the suck, and it also feels good to work out. Absolutely. But it's also, just to take two steps back, it's finding value in the thing that's stressing you out. So if you're looking at your son, you're looking at your house, you're looking at whatever, and just go... I'm so blessed to have these things. Yes, right. th- yes, they're stressful. And yeah, sometimes that sucks. But I'm so blessed to have these things. They're so important to me. Yeah. And they're so worth it. All of a sudden, that stress doesn't feel the same. It's it's still there, of course. But now, all of a sudden, it's tied to something so intrinsic, so intrinsically valuable that it's almost like you can't be sorry for it. Right. You can't be sorry that, it's, that you have that stress. Because it's like you wouldn't want to be without those things. You wouldn't want to be without exactly. your son or your house or whatever. Exactly. Exactly. And I, I think what I've learned from from meditation is um, is being able to, and I'm not definitely not a pro, I'm not a meditation guru, but what meditation teaches you to do is, is be able to control your thoughts. Right? Or am I saying that wrong? To some extent. I think You're be, uh, a or lot of it is more about... Acceptance? Less, less con- yeah, less controlling your thoughts, more... Of observing them. Observing them. Okay. So there's a great there's a great um, app again, not affiliated with them, but it's called Headspace. Uh, and Headspace has a couple of these really cool cartoons on their YouTube yeah, channel. I, yeah. Have you seen those? I actually did Headspace uh, years back. I think we did talk. Well, about I'm that. doing Sorry. Calm now. So one of the um, one of the little cartoons on their YouTube channel was was sort of these race cars going around uh, a track, and each car was representative of, of a thought. Right, and the the little cartoon character guy is trying to manipulate the cars and chase some and, and avoid others and getting all stressed out and fatigued, and and sort of the point of it was just taking that step back and relax and just watch them, right? Just observe. Don't try to manipulate. Just observe. And the same thing goes with with those thoughts. It's like sometimes we just have to step back and just watch something mindfully, Definitely. rather than trying to manipulate because you can't always. You can't be in control of everything. No. But yeah, and, and that's actually what I'm learning now with meditation is just, okay, you're stressed about something, just accept it, right? Yeah. Accept it, observe that it's there. Right. But don't sit and harp on it. So that's the beautiful thing about mindfulness. You look at something, you observe it, but you don't have to dive deep into it. I had a supervisor back in um, uh, grad school. He had a, a cool little analogy, I guess, for this. Um, if you imagine yourself walking down a street, and you smell someone uh, cooking in their house, right? Like a big pot of chili or something, right? Um, Sometimes when we envelop ourselves in these stressful things, that would be like breaking into their house and diving into the bowl of chili and like ladling it all over yourself, right? Really diving in deep. I know it's quite the image, but versus something... I did that last night. I mean... Yeah. Sounds like a solid Wednesday. (laughs) It's every Wednesday. 
And then, uh, <laughs> versus sort of just like standing outside and enjoying the aroma. Right, that separation of I don't have to wallow in right. my stress and my cares. I can just sort of observe them from a distance and go, yeah, they're there, but I can choose how they impact me. There's so much exactly, that, we, yeah. that we have no control over. But one of the things that we can learn to control is our response to something. Yeah, which is uh, your response is what causes stress or, or doesn't cause stress. Absolutely. So it's it's there's a great um, quote. It's uh, your your quote unquote, your problems aren't the problem, your response to the problems are the problem. Yeah, your response to the problems are the problems. So if you have a fucking problem, how are you gonna respond to it? Are you gonna cry and sulk? I usually light them on fire. Or are you gonna fucking step up and take care of business? But well yeah. Or also or absolutely, separate but, but yourself be okay, too. but also be okay with hey, I might have to cry and sulk at first. Yeah. Then I'm gonna take care of business. See, and, and the licensed professional. <laughs> no, but that's your. But that's part. Yeah. That's where that's that's what part comes from. See, what you just said was, "Am I going to cry and sulk, or am I going to handle business?" Meaning, and there, here's the subtext of all that: If I cry and sulk, I'm not handling my business, and that's how that mm. stigma gets True. in there, right? True. Even still, which is fine. You can you can cry and sulk for a little while. That's After twenty point five, twenty point one, I cried and sulked. Then I handled my business. See? <laughs> right there, you go. So I guess it's having all types of emotions. But just the fact that if you are stressed, you know, if it's a family, if it's my family, if it's my eight-month-old son, accepting that it's there. Yeah. Observing that it's there. Right. There's going to be stress. No one goes through life without any stress. Mm -hmm. It's how you respond to that stress is what's going to lead you to your next response. How you respond to that stress is going to lead your emotions to where they're... That's true. No, it's very true. I mean, pe- people think I don't. I'm never stressed. I'm a positive person. I try to be a positive person. It's how I handle my stress that makes me positive. It's it's not the fact that I don't have any. It's we all have it. To, it's what you choose to do with it, right? We all have it. And, and there's listen, if if you haven't cried in this lifetime, if you haven't like sat in your room and questioned what you're doing. You're lying to yourself and others. Like, everybody goes through those. It doesn't matter if you're a teenager going through puberty or if you're a 40-year-old man, right? Everybody has those moments, and it's okay to have those moments what by yourself. What if you're yourself, a 40-year-old right? man going through puberty? Uh, this guy. I'm still hoping to grow, okay? <laughs> no, well, go, go, sorry. I got nothing, I got nothing left. I got nothing left. <laughs> so, no. Everybody does it at every stage of life. Like every stage, every stage of life, and it's okay to be quiet about it as long as it's not negatively affecting you. Yeah. Like I have nights where, like, I I sit at home and I do literally nothing. Like I'll sit there and like, there's emo. I'm not even feeling emo, but there's emo music playing around. I'm just sitting there like folding my laundry in, in the dark on a Saturday. I'm like, what the hell? You, you know? know? <laughs> no, like, but you, and I feel fine. You know what you, I mean? But you know what? I actually did a um, podcast on this. The importance of silence. I'm I'm I a agree. guy, like. I'm a big rah-rah guy. Like, let's go. But at the same time, I really enjoy like 10 minutes or like of my time, like silence, where it's just me and my thoughts. Okay, and I talked about that on one of the podcasts. It's like, some nights I'll go down here to the field over here, mm-hmm. 7.30, 8 o'clock at night and take my dog. And it'd be pitch black. I love that stuff. Okay, so, and that's the one of the best stress relievers for me is to go out there with my dog and just walk in the dark. Solo trail running. That's why I do and, it. And, and it's just you and your thoughts. You know what I mean? That's scary and, for a lot of people. Yeah. It, that's scary for a lot of people. Be alone with your thoughts. You have to... You better, that's true. You better like yourself if you're alone. 
Because then you're the see, only then, one you're with. See, for me, I'm not at that extreme right. of, of like, I guess, like you said, you got to be scared of your... Some people are scared of their own thoughts. Sure. Um, but for me, and listen, not everyone has to do this, is, is silence is very, very important to me. Mm-hmm. Um, and sometimes it's it's we all get caught up in like, got to do this and got this comp and I got all these sponsors and I got this and I got sales and I got quota, blah, blah, blah. Sometimes you just got to sit down and say for 10 minutes and just sit in silence. Think, and just to think. And just to think. But what I try to do is think about like dumb it down. Think about like like Dan was saying, the things that you are blessed to have in your life. Is it the dog? Is it the baby? You know, anything. And you just sit and think about things that make you smile. Last night's meditation for me was, I w- for 10 minutes, I had to think of a person or a dog or a thing that when I thought of it, I smile. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. That's one of the most um, researched techniques to combat anxiety is, is creating a gratefulness log. And just doing that on a regular basis, thinking about what makes me grateful and then implementing it. So, um, like for instance... Every, let's say every night at dinner, you have to come up with one thing about something that happened that day that you're grateful for, right? And the sort of the compound interest on that day to day to day starts opening up that pathway where now you're looking for it because you know, come dinner time, you're going to have to right. fi- have it, right? You have, have to, it. You have to observe it. And then after a while, it's sort of, oh, all right, what's the cool thing going to be today? What's the thing I'm going to be talking about with my, you know, significant other, friends or family later on? What's that thing I'm going to tell them that I'm really grateful for? Yeah. And you come to sort of like look for it rather yeah, than, search for it you know, we always, like we look behind every corner for what's the next bad thing that's going to happen. Oh, what's next? Oh, what's next? I can't take any more. And it, it really, if, I think if we were honest, there's a lot of good stuff that happens too on a daily basis. There's a lot of cool things that we can be appreciative of mm-hmm. if we give it that space. But we, we tend to not. We only look at the, the really negative the stuff. The really negative Because stuff. that's the one that impacts us more, right? Or that's the one that feels um, more present. Yeah, but taking that step back and being really grateful for and and you know you asked me before what's what are some things people can do, if I could prescribe CrossFit and a dog to every yeah. person I work with, there's something about having uh, the dog a, could be stressful uh, at first. <laughs> the the dog could be very stressful, but you're, but you're at making first. it stressful. I'm not making it pee on the couch. Like you know, the dog's gonna pee on the couch. Yeah, just accept that. Doesn't yeah, just accept, just accept it. it. Doesn't make it's, it less stressful though. <laughs> so the the great thing about dogs, the one thing that it, and if you're you know a dog owner or whatever, the one thing we can learn from our dogs is um, the notion of unconditional positive regard. When you come home and you open that door and your dog hasn't seen you all day and it's losing its mind because you're its entire world right. and all it wants to do is just smother you with love and and, and lick you. That's like, what stress can stand in the way of that? If you can Nothing. just be present yeah. in those moments. Yeah. I'm, I'm very fortunate. So we've got three dogs. I walk in the door, and I'm mauled What by. kind of dogs do you have? So I got a two-year-old Golden Doodle. I got a year-old Golden Retriever. And a seven-month-old Bernice Mountain Dog. Holy shit. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. This is why I moved to the middle of nowhere. Yeah. Your yeah. house is amazing. It's it's the best. It's And listen, do they stress me out? Absolutely. Yeah. The Doodle and the Retriever are trying to kill each other. I'm separating dog fights. Like... Two they times don't like a each week, other? they they do. They're they're at the ages where they're battling for uh, dominance, and and the retriever is starting to develop a little bit of a possessive uh, attitude. So we're we're working on that. Um, but if I think about my dogs, man, I'm gonna get the biggest smile on my yeah. face because that's the source of unconditional love. Exactly. You know. They're, and they're, actually, uh, last night when I was doing the meditation, um, I thought of my dog passed away. I thought of Buck. Yeah. 
And yeah, it was it's sad to think about Buck, but like think about all the good times him and I had together. It was always a, I always had a smile on my face, yeah. and even just to see him, he smiled. You know what I mean? And mm-hmm. you know there there'll be people on here, and I say this all the time. Well, it's a dog, but people don't get it. No, you know, if you, if you don't have a dog, yeah. you don't understand the 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 importance that a dog has. To a family, to a home, right. to a person. Right. And speaking quickly of failure, I was deathly afraid of dogs until I was 18, 18 19 years old. Did you get attacked by one? I got, uh, in my mind I did as a little kid. I think in reality what happened, I just got chased. We lived in this condominium that was next to a, um, uh, I don't know how to describe it. It was like a, like a residence home for people starting over. And they had a, a Rottweiler that was so abused and neglected. And that Rottweiler was would, would race the fence and, and bark and snarl and scream. And I was maybe like four years old or whatever. So I developed in my mind the dogs are, are really dangerous and whatever. I mean, not even kidding. I'd be 18 years old and I would cross the street because like a chihuahua was coming my way. I'm not even kidding about that. I was so wow. terrified. And then uh, my, my girlfriend, who's now my wife, uh, had a massive black lab German Shepherd mix. This thing was like 100 pounds pure muscle. And... I had no choice. Like I had to. If I was never she would have picked with, the dog. She, told, <laughs> she would have picked actually, the dog. Yeah, she should have. That dog was amazing. But that dog helped me get over my fear. Now, now, if I had stuck with the failure part of it and gone, I, what, you know, I would be missing out on all on this, this stuff. Amazing. Yeah, going home know, to these three dogs. Exactly. Like, that I, I wouldn't looking, that. watching you talk about them, yeah, yeah, yeah. You smile oh, immediately. They're the, they're the like they're I don't have kids yet, so they're my kids right now. But they're they're the best. They're yeah, absolutely the best. They are the best. They are the best. And, um, you know, for, for anyone listening that doesn't have a dog, go out today and buy one. Mm. Okay? Um, just do save it. Save a dog. Save, save a, dog. a dog. I worked for Blue Buffalo well, for actually, eight yeah, years. Actually, yeah, save a dog. Save a dog. Save, save a dog. dog. I mean, so I, many wonderful do- puppies out for adoption still. Save right. a dog. Yeah, absolutely. Save a dog. Save, Save a dog. dog. You know that way it makes you an even better person. Think about that. You want positive reinforcement in your life. You literally just saved something's life. You know. I know. Save a dog. I know. I, I, I'm thinking about getting another dog, um, but it would have to be because Hank it might be a little territorial, uh, and it and I have a baby. Right. What about a puppy? I was just gonna say get a puppy. Well, get here's puppy. the thing. My, they become my, less territorial. My mother-in-law and my mom watch Jackson mm-hmm. during the week. Mm-hmm. Can't ask him to be like, hey. Oh, can you also watch this little puppy? Oh, watch this puppy. Yeah. yeah that's Unless tough. Kevin wants to watch the puppy. No, I got a dog already. And she's a little old cranky lady. She wouldn't do well with a puppy. By the really? way, who's gorgeous little... Is that that's a pit Picks. puppy? That's Pit- Pick's Pit. Oh, my God. Oh my we could talk about that There's for like, 10 hours. That's the cutest that freaking thing is dog. That thing eight weeks old, Tops. I don't it's know. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, brand new. It was, oh he just got God. it a week and a half ago yeah, yeah. at eight weeks, I think. So okay. you have to wait so, eight weeks before you can get it. He just got it eight. Um, all right, guys. Listen, it's an hour and fifteen minutes. Okay, That's, and yeah. we we have we got to cut it, but we're gonna do a part two. That, yeah, oh, yeah. Well, love to. We we definitely I definitely want to do a part two. A lot There's of positivity. A lot of stuff people can. Dan offers a lot of positive. Dan stuff. Dan offers a lot of value. So like, listen value. listen to this. Go through and listen to this podcast if it's you know accepting stress, um, buying a dog. Um, like I said, meditation, save a dog, save a dog. <laughs> right, okay. um, you know, and two, kind of what I've grasped from this, from, from Dan talking and, and Kevin talking is, you know, you, your positivity has to outwork your negativity. You know what I mean? Um, cause if your, your mind's constantly flooded with negative thoughts, you're going to be, guess negative. what? You're going to be negative. And I also talk about this too. And I also think about this is, you know, if you're surrounding yourself with people that are negative, 
there's a pretty fucking good chance you're going to be negative. And your life will turn out that and way. And your life will success turn out doesn't, that way. The success doesn't follow negativity. That is for sure. Success yeah. does not follow negativity. Anytime. In you, any way. Whether you believe you can or you believe you can't, you're That's right. You're right. You're right. Whether you believe you can, you believe you can't. That's uh, what Henry Ford. Yeah. Then you're right. right? Exactly. Change that inner monologue. Really control the narrative that you're telling yourself about who you are and what your life is. And if you want to start changing certain things, just just do it. Right. right. Just think, and I don't mean to make it sound that easy. I know it's complicated. and It takes a lot of work. And it doesn't have it, to be little steps. It doesn't have absolutely. to be this gigantic step. It could be tiny, one thing. It could be a tiny, tiny little steps, thing. Steps. Right. Tiny but consistent. Tiny but yeah. consistent. Exactly. And and I think too, um, and I'm learning this in uh, from meditation is that stuff like this is very difficult. Like. You know, meditation is not easy, but you have to stick through it. Doing a bench press or going for a one rep max is not easy. That depends. But since it's a physical activity, people are more apt to work towards it because the mental aspect is not sexy. You're not like, oh, shit, man, I just picked up meditation. I'm on day 25. Yo, some chicks dig that, actually. No fucking yeah, yeah, versus me going. Listen, nerdy is a real thing. It's a real thing right now. Versus me going, I just squat clean 315. No chick cares about that. Yeah, I was going to say, only, only CrossFit chicks care <laughs> about that. No, only dudes care about that. How many chicks yeah, have? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Only yeah, yeah, yeah. Do, you do that for other dudes. Right. Just like girls dress up for other girls, dudes lift for other, other dudes. dudes. Let's yeah. be real here, okay? Yeah. Okay. No chick walks up to you and be like, yo, sweet bench press, bro. No girl walks up, ever. Like, I've been going to the gym for 20 years. Never once in my life has a girl walked up to me. I'll be like, really good. Well, nobody compliments my squat, so we'll just stick to bench press. Yeah, nice because you, you can't squat for shit, dude. Calm down. We'll get, we talk about this every time. We'll talk about it again later. Uh, Kevin's Come to CrossFit Danbury, December 8th. Kevin's got some numbers on the on a piece of paper right now. No, Kevin has the workout. Well, I'm hosting the training workout tomorrow, and some people that are sponsors that are also doing the comp are coming, and I offered it out for them to come in as, as a training session. So I needed to put together the workout for tomorrow because I put no thought into What's it. What's the it workout? It will be... Four separate 12-minute EMOMs, or four separate 12-minute workouts, I should say, with three minutes of rest in between workouts. A total of 60 minutes, 57 minutes. 57 and minutes. That's a good one. That's a real good one. Yeah, but it's mainly uh, consistent work. Yeah, I'll not, be there. Not, nothing is going to be like blow your brain out in like five minutes and you're going to be tired for the rest of the workout. Consistent work and also if your teammate can make it. Uh, just doing stuff together as a team. We do that often. We do it oh, a, a lot. We do, we do that a lot here. Like, Asmi and I work out together all the time. But it's for the people that don't. And it's also an offer. Because people are teaming up that just met each other. That was another cool thing about the competition, meeting new people. Mm. People were coming to me. I would like to do it. I need a teammate. Well, I here you go. I up with somebody. Here you go. All of a sudden, a lot of new friendships made within the gym. You're the matchmaker, you know? Well, uh, I try. A lot of my friendships from the gym are now actual friendships. Like, you guys are now my friends, you know? Because, like, my Thank you. I, yeah, I know. Listen, I have, like, Shit. six now. <laughs> my mom would be so proud. Uh, so. All right, guys. Listen, I, I appreciate Dan coming on here. It's I keep Very thinking much. it's, like, Sunday. I don't even know what day it is. Saturday. Today's Saturday. Yeah, yeah. So I appreciate Dan coming on here. Um, we're definitely going to do a part two because I, I feel like I have notes here that I didn't even talk about. Um, but, uh, guys, listen – Listen to this podcast because mental health is very important, okay? Mental, mental health is very important. It's hard work. It's not easy. There's going to be stress. There's going to be obstacles. There's going to be failures. Um, it's your response to all that is, is, uh, is the most important thing. So, again, guys, thank you, thank you, thank you. I appreciate it. And, um, again, find us on Apple, Spotify, Stitcher. Stitcher. Um, 
all the major uh, podcast platforms. So appreciate it, guys. Have a great weekend, and we'll talk soon. Thank you. Bye.